Greetings, POTUS Shield watchmen, warriors, and worshipers. Frank Media here, and I have been somewhat quiet since the last time that I spoke out and asked that we just allow the noise to stop and to rest in the Lord and let Him do what He was going to do. Well, I'm here to deal with a couple very tough topics very quickly. I'm going to segment these, not do it all at one time, so it's not too long, so bear with me and I'll send out more messages. I believe it's important for us to reset right now and to be accountable, to take an inventory of what occurred during the election of last year, November 3rd. Not so much of what's occurred since then, but where do we stand and where did it all go wrong? Or did it go wrong? Did God change His mind? Did myself and some others not hear the word of the Lord? Is there a lesson in all of this for us? And where is God pointing right now for us in the body of Christ? I will deal with some of these in detail and some not again in another segment forthcoming. For myself, let me be extremely transparent. On November 3rd, much like many of you, as I retired for the evening in the wee hours of the next day, watching election results, it appeared as if Donald Trump was winning the election and that we would wake up in the morning after a suspension and find out that it was over with. Instead, what we found out was that it completely turned the other way, and we know the chaos, the confusion that went since then. Many have gone into what I would call grieving. It's almost like losing a loved one, and some even worse, to the point that I've heard so many people say, what's going to happen now? All is lost. Some people are still shell-shocked. Some still not letting go. Many ran about the country calling rallies and in churches and believing that somehow it was all going to be overturned. And then, of course, we know what happened January 6th, you might recall that I suggested that I did not feel it was of God to go, I felt it was in the flesh, said, I'm not going. And I would recommend that people pray to see if they've been sent or just went, as E.W. Schambach once said. Putting that aside, let me share with you from my heart and then put some perspective on this. First of all, I miss God, but I didn't miss God. God spoke and God changed and God is allowed to change. And let's analyze that for a moment. November 4th, like you, I was startled. And as we watched it go into the evening of the 4th and into the next day of the 5th, like everyone else, there was some remorse, there was confusion, but for me it was even deeper because I said, how did I miss God? Where did I go wrong? Might I dare ever again say that I heard something from the Lord even when I had this long-term history of pinpoint accuracy, what happened? Well, certainly, I fear God too much than to fault God. God is sovereign. God has foreknowledge. He knows everything. He knew what was going to happen. He knows what's going to happen. And so, I have to either take the blame or ask why and how. And that's the way I approached it. And the first thing I received of the Lord the only word I received of the Lord for some days afterwards was to be still and know that I am God. 
be quiet, rest, stop the noise. And around November 6th and on, I began to share it publicly with you and with others. Stop the noise, let it set, rest. Some did, but not too many. Many followed and followed and followed. And I think on behalf of leadership and pastors in the body of Christ, many people are owned an apology because they were led by blind leading the blind, going down a path that obviously it wasn't God's path because there was no fruit involved. I thank the Lord that He had me put the brakes on and stop and encourage others to stop. And at the same time, I love my brethren and those who were going forward and holding rallies and prayer meetings all around the country right up until January 5th and some January 6th. Some still are trying to overturn these results. They're not going to overturn. I knew then they weren't going to overturn. So my quest is, what happened? How? I know what I heard. I know what I heard in November in, in 2015 when Donald Trump announced he was going to run for the presidency and the Lord just out of the clear blue caught me by surprise and said, my hand is on this man and if he will, he will be the next president. And I began to proclaim it and I came under a lot of persecution from within the body of Christ at that point. He had a 1% chance of winning. He was last in the pack of 17, and slowly but surely it separated. And then when it came time for APAC in early 2016, and it was beginning to come down to him and Marco Rubio and Ted Cruz, and there seemed to be a few left, God put me in touch with, with that campaign, and I began to help that campaign as an advisor, and I literally gave the points that became his speech at APAC having to do with Israel establishing the embassy, being able to stand strong that there won't be a two-state solution, not forcing Israel to give up its land, but instead to claim its land in the Golan and the other areas, to determine that Jerusalem and declare is the eternal capital of Israel and establish the embassy there, all of that, and it became his assignments. And then came Super Tuesday, for the primary election here in March in Ohio, 2016, as it was in Florida and several other states. And his 757 was headed on a Sunday afternoon to get down to Florida, to Miami Airport, where he would then reside overnight and prepare a couple more places and be in place to give his final speech for Super Tuesday, Monday night in Doral, Florida. But instead, at the last moment, as if the Lord put a hook in his mouth and pulled him here to Youngstown, Ohio, a small place. And he decided to give his last speech here at 8 o'clock at night at the Youngstown Municipal Airport. And the phone call came from his campaign manager and said, get things ready, can you help? And myself and another friend, we scrambled and we were able to, to get him to be received at the airport in a hangar. And it was packed with thousands of people, and I was able to say the opening prayer. But more importantly, God gave me a prophecy to give Donald Trump, candidate at that time. And I handed it to him, and I handed it to his campaign manager, Corey Lewandowski. The Lord told me to write it on tablets so that the vision would be clear. I quoted Zechariah, and I made it very brief. And it ended with these words which now are ringing in my ears and rang in my ears on November 6th and 7th as the Lord began to speak again to me. And that was this. I said, the Lord says, 
that if you will humble yourself before God, then you shall be the next president of the United States. Notice a condition. If you shall humble yourself before God. I kept waiting for that moment of humility to come. And finally it did, not as one would expect it to come with the whole Billy Bush, Bush saga, which was in some ways so appalling to, the, 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 to those of us who are believers and let alone the public at large. And it seemed like he was doomed because this was just mere weeks before the election. But I know from personal accounts of friends of mine that were there, especially two in the inner circle with him in those moments, he went into deep remorse, Donald Trump did. He went into repentance. He asked people to pray with him. He was ashamed, and he went into humility, and he thought it was all gone. He humbled himself before God. And the Lord had had me prophesy two months before that that something deep would come out from the intelligence community and that somebody was going to push a button and put a finger on Clinton and the campaign and that it was going to turn the tides and that it would turn the election. And lo and behold, merely days before, we understand the report that came from Comey, who till this day can't explain why he did what he did. And then with detail and specificity, how the election would go on election day and that night and that it wouldn't even be declared until after the first watch of the next day and at 3 o'clock in the morning came the declaration. At 3.30 in the morning, the mantle of Poda's shield fell down and God began to call and I began to declare those things the next day. And one of them was that it said he would have three Supreme Court justices, but listen to my words. Not in the first term, in the first season. In the first season. Now, as I connect those two things, that the Lord put a condition of humility upon the presidency and his favor upon Donald Trump. Humility before God, not man, before God. And the fact that there would be in the first season three Supreme Court justices, well, much like you, I became desperate as we got close to the end of his first term. But then all of a sudden, God made a way. And in that, there was an opening. And God put a fire and a fervency in, into the leadership. And we ended up with the third Supreme Court justice merely weeks before the election. So it seemed like everything was cruising to its appropriate end. But there were blips and we saw things happen. We saw the first debate where Donald Trump was pure flesh, anger. And it was embarrassing to me and to you and to those who watched. We were absolutely appalled. What happened if he'd have only stayed quiet some? And then there began to continue in the rallies where everything was pointed to himself. And over and over we heard about all of the things that were accomplished and how all of the praise went to Donald Trump by Donald Trump. Let me read you a scripture. It comes out of Proverbs chapter 21, verse 4. A high look and a proud heart, and the plowing of the wicked is sin. Notice that he connects the two. God hates a haughty heart. God cannot in any way whatsoever contradict his own word. And here we are in this dilemma 
where God has put assignments upon a man who's fulfilling them. God put an anointing on him. God miraculously put him in office. God miraculously was accomplishing things, but yet the glory was only lip service to God and was mostly going from second and third parties, but not from the man himself. And let's face it, the faith-based church became an asset, a political asset. Now, it's not the first time that happened with the moral majority. It's happened in elections in Israel. It's happened here before. It happens with other politicians running. They like to have the influence and the support of a church perspective, one way or the other. So I don't want to fault that, but what I do fault is us as the church ourselves. And God puts certain people in an advisory capacity, and it began at one level with the prophetic voice there, but very quickly it shrunk. And there were a couple gatekeepers that were put in place, gatekeepers of those who would be able to have access. And access became a chip, not that the president himself was using, but the few people that were the gatekeepers to the faith community were using. And so what we see is they would allow whom they would and that they would disconnect those whom they would. I was one of the ones who was disconnected. And there was a person inside who was a deputy director and she did her best to slam the door on those whom she didn't want for whatever her reasons were. I don't fault her in that sense and hold it against myself. What I do say is she did an injustice to this president because the voices that were around him weren't speaking prophetically. And they came with different agendas. And the prophetic voices were kept out. And so they began to speak only in a third-party sense and to publish things and to put them in. Something happened. COVID came and this president was trying to figure it out himself and try to figure it out with the many voices that are around him. And all of a sudden, some prophetic voices began to speak out. Think of it this way. And they began to declare on some televangelism programs that there was going to be a supernatural healing of COVID at Easter of last year. And when that date slipped and went, others came out and said, Pentecost. Well, this president, not having the voice of a prophetic word around him, but having to gleam it third party, and the gatekeepers making sure that access was only for those that they wanted to be there. Whatever their reasonings are, they're the ones that have to decide that and make a decision in their hearts what to do about it because it's past tense now. In that sense, the dates came and went, and the president grabbed a hold of that. And he publicly said, by Easter, things are going to be better. And then by Pentecost, he didn't even know it, things are going to be better next month. By summer, it will settle down. Following these prophetic words that weren't the words. And even though voices like myself spoke out, not many of us, and said, no, I don't see that as the voice of God. We need to buckle down. We need to understand. We need to hold on. We need to persevere. Well, then that was used to mock him. And it sent him down a path where he never really understood how to deal with it, in one sense. And in another sense, he tried his best to do it. By then, it was water over the dam, we might say. And so, we see that there is, are many reasons why the election derailed. God 
is not contained or restrained by time. Time is in God. God is not in time. And so many times we understand that things that he says and that have been written of in the scriptures even 2,000 years ago are coming to light today. They had a meaning then, but they have a meaning now. And God spoke them through his prophet as if it was in the present now, but yet it was in the present future because time is meaningless to God. He has foreknowledge. He understands it all. So when he said in the first season, this president shall appoint three Supreme Court justices, my bad that I move that into the second term. And when he said, if he will humble himself, he will be the president. Well, I don't know about you, but let's face it. Many of us got appalled and disgusted and weary of the constant badgering of tweets coming out so many times a day that we didn't even want to see them anymore. That there was the just bullying in many different ways. Let's face it, we liked the man for the things he was doing, but in a lot of sense it was offensive to us in our spirit, and we could sense and cringe in our spirit when certain things were coming out, but nothing cringed more in my spirit than when he continuously promoted himself, even when God was moving. Now let me say something to you. We see many times that God will pull his favor away from somebody when they are taking his glory and moving with pride and arrogance. And we see many times that God will use it because often he cares more about that person standing with him than he does about their understanding of themselves. And then we look at this. Let's talk about me. Let's talk about the prophetic word. Well, God does repent and change his mind and we, as those that hear the word of the Lord and push in to hear the word of the Lord and repeat it in fear of God, not for our own agendas, not to promote ourselves. That's one thing I can tell you. I've never used the word of the Lord to promote myself. You won't find one book published by me yet. I want to do them, but the Lord's restrained me. You don't see me selling tapes. You don't see me asking to have a program on a major network to receive funds from you to do it. I'm not promoting. I'm not selling my time and my space to other places to go give speeches. So I can tell you of many things that, I can, that people can find fault with me. And God knows, like you, I have many imperfections that the Lord is working on. That is not one that I can be accused of with any validity whatsoever. How about Elijah? Elijah, was he a real prophet? Elijah spoke the word of the Lord and he came down under pressure and he finally said, Lord, I'm the last one. But he wasn't the last one. He missed it. And so God put him on a journey and a journey to rest and to hear from him, even as he did with me. And in that sense, Elijah went into the cave and it says that the, you know the story. The wind came and the weather came and the sounds came, but God wasn't in the whirlwind. God was in the still small voice in the rest. And then he revealed to the prophet Elijah and said, there are many that are for me. I've, I have kept that remnant. There's at least 7,000 and more you will find. Why did God keep it for a moment in Elijah's life? Because at that moment he was showing him another 
perspective of himself. And God will humble us all, and I thank God for humbling in my life. And I receive it as that. My prayer is that many others will receive the same thing and understand. How about Jonah? God wanted to destroy Nineveh, but yet he wanted to give it one more chance. And so he said, Jonah, go and I will repent of myself. And God did repent. And unfortunately, the flesh took back over and eventually Nineveh was no more. Sodom and Gomorrah, Abraham pleaded with God to repent of himself. And Abraham said, Lord, if I find 50 righteous, if I find 20, if I find 10, and the Lord said, I'll do it. If you can go and do it. And so he ended up coming out with Lot and a few children and rescuing his nephew. How about Jesus himself? This is what really twisted my heart as the Holy Spirit brought this to me. Jesus lamenting over Jerusalem on his way to the cross. And now he's leaving a lot of prophecy out. And it's being written for us. And in Luke chapter 13, verse 34, Jesus laments over Jerusalem. Listen to it. Oh, Jerusalem, Jerusalem, the one who kills the prophets and stones those who are sent to her. How often I wanted to gather your children together as a hen gathers her chicks under her wings, but you were not willing. You were not willing. Jesus saying, my will, my desire is to gather you in and to nestle you close to my breast, to love you, to save you, to keep you, to shelter you, to make sure that you survive, but you would not. How about Pharaoh? Even Pharaoh, who lifted himself up as a god in the earth. Many times God sent the word. Many times Moses and Aaron expressed to him the will of the Lord. And it says in all those instances that he would not heed the word. And so God had no choice because he's a God of justice than allow judgment to come. Beloved, I still believe it was the perfect will of God that there be a second term and that this agenda of the things that God wanted to be done continue in those assignments to get done. But how can we expect God to bless pride and haughtiness when it's done in his name? It's one thing if it wasn't in his name. It's another thing when it's in his name. And so the leadership, we ran around giving God the glory, but the man himself did not. And the church was used as an asset, potentially because we understand it's the art of the deal, but we're not in a deal. We're in the kingdom of God, and we're at fault, and leadership is at fault. Because we allowed a man to be lifted up higher than God in some ways. You say, oh, Frank, you're going too far, am I? The Lord says that with mammon and God, which one will you serve? The one that you serve is the one you love the most, and the other one you hate. Well, a real translation for that is you love less. So as we're being inundated, bombarded, multiple times a day, from Donald Trump, from his children, from the surrogates, all about Trump, 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 Trump. Yes, he was fighting a lot of opposition, but there's another way you deal with that. You get quiet, and you let the, the storm calm down, and you do what you're supposed to do and trust God. And we understand he's a disruptor, but not to the point 
that we are to elevate him above God. And for that, God must show us that he's still God and sovereign. God must show us that he will not give his glory to another. God must show us that we must lift no man, no thing higher than him. And don't say that we loved God more than him. Yes, we did, but did we? Because the thing that we spend most of our time with is the thing that God says we love more than him. Whatever it is, whatever it is that we do that's more than what we want to give God, that's what we love more than him. That's another teaching. And so, beloved, here we sit. We sit by saying, what's next? Well, for me, I'll tell you what's next. I'm focusing back to what I released back in November and December and that in, 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 in January, and that is it is time for us to be the people of God who seek the kingdom of God, who serve the kingdom of God. All the rest of it trickles down. Yes, I'm a patriot. Yes, I love our country. I come from a family that has served this country a lot for generations and is now. It has nothing to do with patriotism. It does have everything to do with core values, but we can't expect God to bless us because of core values when we diminish Him in that perspective. So we continue on to fight for the life of the unborn. We continue on to fight for family values. We continue on to stand with the God of Israel and His people and the call of His people. We continue on to believe and declare that Jesus is returning to Jerusalem, but we must put our citizenship back in heaven. We are not a political asset. Let people use us if they will, but we are God's people, God's children. And so this I say, another thing, a fallacy, let us not be those who choose the side by politics or even by core values of who's a friend or who's an enemy. We do not wrestle against flesh and blood. Beloved, I've been called more to prayer for Joe Biden and Kamala Harris and that administration, believe it or not, that I even was for Trump. The Lord has waking me up all the time and the first thing coming out of me is prayer for them. Prayer, prayer, prayer. And I've already dealt with the fact, take away all animosity. Let me be one who can purely love. Beloved, we are not permitted, according to this gospel of love, to determine whom we're going to love and whom we're not going to love. And Romans 13, 1, is very clear to us. In fact, it's the whole first several verses of chapter 13 of Romans. We are subject to the higher powers. Let every soul be subject unto the higher power, for there is no power but of God, and the powers that are there are ordained of God. Beloved, might not have been the way you voted, wasn't the way I voted. I don't think I'd be the way I'd vote again. But that doesn't change whom I serve and how I serve. We must pray as POTUS shield. We must pray as children of God, as Christians, as those of the gospel. We must stand and pray for this president, for this vice president, and for the people. And then we must hold everything else out with God. But remember, seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and then all the rest of this stuff is supposed to come in line. Finally, this starts with me, 
ends with me and God. How are we doing? I'm okay with them. My confidence is back. I'm not shattered. My sword has been sharpened. My ears have been tuned in better. I'm discerning more. I'm listening harder. I'm waiting more. And I understand that God is God. And even though the Lord's perfect will was for us not to be where we are at this point in this country, it is where we are. But it means we can turn it around with God. But we must put Him first. Stop the noise. Stop it. Repent as we all must repent. Pray as we're all supposed to pray. And let's see what the Lord shall do. He's going to do some very mighty things. And so I ask you to listen to this, to share this, write me, give me feedback. I'm open, I'm a mirror, I'm willing to look and see what looks back. But I do know this, I do know this, we are living in the time where we're to prepare the way for the coming of the Lord. And we are to preach the gospel, we are to be witnesses of the gospel of the love of Jesus Christ in all things. Thank you, God bless you, do wait for the next segment. I will be building on this. Beloved, it's not over. It's the beginning of another chapter. We must seek God together and do this one thing. Lay aside the busyness and the noise. Stop grieving. Stop grieving. The only way we stop grieving is by trusting the Lord and saying, okay, Father, you're sovereign. You have it. I trust you. I'm going to do the best I can do with what I have. And until you give me more, that's what I shall do. And yes, pray for Donald Trump. Pray that the Lord really moves in his heart and that through all of this noise and separation from some of those voices around him, that potentially he'll hear the right voice and the right voices around him. Maybe he's done. Maybe he's not done. The Lord did say, in the first season. What is coming next? God bless you. I appreciate you. Be easy on me. I'm finding my way, just like you are. And let's not be hard on those who are still distracted and going the other way. Let's bond together in unity. One thing that came out of all of this, I can tell you, is that people from all of the world all the way around the four corners have come together to pray through this election and through this moment. It unified the body of Christ. Let's not let it get scattered now because something didn't turn out the way that we thought we were praying for it. Let's build on that unity. Let's become that church that is hot, as Laodicea said, calling out, come quickly, Lord Jesus. Thank you. I appreciate you. I'm Frank Media. Signing off.